my name is Bill Crockett, and welcome to the Biblical Counseling Series entitled, Let's Talk Marriage, a biblical look at marriage and what it involves before we do it. God bless you as you study together. It's time for session number 10, and this session is entitled, What is Wrong with Them? This is not the same person I married. What happened to them? The reality is, quite often, young couples, not long after they get married, uh, the honeymoon's over, they go through a period where they appear not to be getting along, they appear to be arguing about everything, and this fairy tale, goosebumpy, wonderful, love will solve everything relationship that they not only thought they had, but they thought would last forever, has suddenly changed. And so immediately, each of the two parties involved want to know what is wrong with the other person. What is wrong with you? Why do you argue with me all the time? Why are we always at odds with each other? And many times, during these periods of conflict, couples will come to the conclusion that the reason that they're having all this conflict is because they should have never been married in the first place. Now, today's session is to address that idea, and I'll just tell you right up front, is to let you know that nothing could be further from the truth. The reality is we're human beings. And we're going to have conflict with other human beings, especially when you live together 24 hours a day. So let me just tell you right up front that when you're going through those times of difficulty, there's nothing wrong with either one of you. You're just being human. So the question is, then what do we do? Well, today what I want to do is I want us to look at three areas of marriage that quite often we don't think about. But these three areas help us to overcome these conflicts. In our next session, session number 11, we're actually going to talk about the practical steps of dealing with conflict. But this time, during this session, number 10, I want us to talk about some of the areas that may cause conflict and and things that we need to remember about marriage. We've mentioned this before, and once again, I want to remind you that if you want to get married, you've got to want what God says marriage is. Nobody's making you get married, but if you do, you've got to want what marriage is. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about what marriage is relative to those areas of our life that can cause these periods of conflict. So let's look at the three things that are in your study notes. And if you've downloaded the PDF study guide, it's on page 38. Um, And the title is, What is Wrong With Them? Point number one. There are major adjustments that have to take place when a couple gets married. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is unified to his wife, and they become one flesh. You see, what happens in marriage is you are forming your own family unit, a brand new family unit. All of your life, you have lived in the family unit you were born into. Most of them have a mother, a father. Many of them have other siblings. But that is the family unit that you were born into, and it's the only one you've known. It's the one you've grown up in. 
Well, now you're leaving that family unit, which has been a priority in your life, and you're forming your own family unit with your own spouse. When you do that, there are major adjustments that are going to take place, not only in your personal life, but in your spiritual life, your social life, your financial life, and everything about both of your lives, everything's going to change. Three things I want to mention under this. Number one, the Bible says that you're to leave. Now, that's difficult. I know that whenever family comes around the holidays and we spend a week or so together, when everybody leaves, it's a very lonely feeling. It's a many times a depressing time because you've had so much fun and you're leaving and now you're either going back to normality, work, school, or you're going to an empty house, at least less empty than it was when all those people were there. And so when you leave your family unit of mom and dad and siblings that you've known all your life to go form your own, that's a major adjustment and it can be difficult. Number two, cleaving. The Bible says you're to leave father and mother and cleave the husband to his wife, and the understood principle is the wife to her husband. This is the gluing effect. This is where you leave the old unit and you cleave to each other. You're you're actually now forming that new family unit. And so what happens here, you become one, God says in verse 24. You leave, you cleave, and you become one. This is the merging process of your two lives together to form your own family unit, which will include um, new traditions, new practices, new difficulties, etc. So when you become one, you become one physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, in every way. You're learning how to work together as a well-oiled machine that's headed in the same direction for the same purpose. That's what unity is. Now, you've got to understand that once you get married, you don't just automatically adjust to all of this. It takes some time. So be willing to give yourself time to make these adjustments. Now, it's during this adjustment period when, quite often, these periods of conflict take place. And so there's nothing wrong with you You're just going through the normal adjustments of forming your own family unit. So number one, what's wrong with them? Well, nothing's wrong with them. You're just going through the major adjustments in marriage. Number two, there's nothing wrong with them because second of all, you're going through the maturity process that comes with marriage. In James chapter four, beginning in verse one, listen to what the Bible says. James writes, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You see, when a man and a woman leave their single life and get married, all of those years of just thinking about yourself are over. Now, you got to start thinking about each other. And quite often, when that 
reality hits that you no longer just have to think about yourself, but now you've got to think about another individual, and you need to think about them even before you think about yourself, now the problems start to mount. That's where a lot of the early conflict in marriage comes from. You're going through the maturity process of becoming a married couple. There are six basic uh, maturity characteristics that I believe are critical to marriage, and they're taught in the scripture, and I just want to list them for you. They're in your notes. Let's just mention them real quick. Number one, in marriage, you've got to learn to forego immediate gratification in order to have future benefit. Now, what am I talking about? Well, what I'm saying is you've learned the maturity principle of contentment. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13, Paul talks about contentment. Listen to what he says. Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Twice Paul said, I have learned contentment. You see, maturity is something that we learn. It comes over time. Contentment is one of those characteristics that comes with maturity. We learn it over time. And it's critical in marriage that you learn to be content and you don't get upset because you can't have what you want right away. So maturity characteristic one, number one, contentment. Number two, you've got to learn the ability to share and compromise. It's not just about you anymore. You've got to learn how to share with your spouse and that's share everything, thoughts, ideas, decisions, um, everything you share. But you've also got to learn how to compromise. It can't be my way or the highway. You've got to consider each other's thoughts and ideas, and together you've got to make decisions based on one main thing. It's a decision based on the fact that you believe this is what God wants you to do. Not what you or your spouse wants, but what God wants. Number three, you've got to learn the maturity characteristic of being concerned for the well-being of another. As a matter of fact, this is one of the most critical characteristics of a believer. The Bible talks to us about this, and in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, listen to what Paul says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. You see, when you get married, it's not all about you anymore. Now it's about your spouse, and they have to come first. That's what it means to be considerate. It means you are considering the other person first. And that's a maturity trait. You learn that. It comes over time. Number four, you've got to be real and practical. We can't live in these fairy tale worlds or in the world that says, you know, mom and dad will just do it for me. 
You've got to be real and you've got to be practical. And together, you make decisions based upon what's realistic and what's practical. Number five, the maturity characteristic that says we face problems with a solution in mind. We don't face our problems trying to figure out how can I prove that I'm right. You try and come up with a solution. And then finally, number six, and this is the most important, that you learn to always seek and put God first and what he says above either of your opinions or ideas. When these six maturity traits begin to develop in your life, you will see the conflicts begin to lessen. However, during those early years of marriage, while you're going through the process of developing these six characteristics of maturity, there's going to be some conflict. So don't worry, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just going through the maturity process of being a husband and a wife. And then finally, number three, there are major adjustments in marriage which sometimes cause conflict. There is a maturity process in marriage. That too can cause conflict. But number three, I believe that the areas of the two most important things in marriage, when you ignore these two things, it can cause conflict. What are the two most important things, in my opinion, in marriage? Number one, commitment. And number two, communication. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, God says you leave, you cleave, and you merge. You become one. you got to be committed in order to do that. You don't leave a safe haven to go form a brand new unit if you're not committed to it. Now, I want to give you five areas of growth that you need to be committed to. Number one, you got to be committed to growing personally and spiritually. As you grow together personally and spiritually, your marriage will get stronger. But you got to be committed to that. You can't quit when you're going through some growing pains. Number two, you got to be committed to the institution of marriage. God instituted it, God formed it, God gave the rules for it. You got to be committed to the institution of marriage. You've got to want what marriage is. If you don't want what marriage is, then please don't get married. But when you understand what marriage is, commit yourself to the institution of marriage. Number three, you got to be committed to loving each other. Love God and love each other. Love is something that grows. And so you got to be committed to it and give yourself time to grow in your love for God and for each other. Number four, you've got to be committed to change. Things are going to change. Change is inevitable. When I first got married, I was 21 years old. I'm 55 years old today, and I can promise you, I look a whole lot different today than I did when I was 21. I've changed. Change is inevitable. You've got to be committed to change. Change is good. Don't be afraid of it. And then number five, you've got to be committed to wise decision making. And what am I talking about? Be committed to always wanting what is best, never settling for second best. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, as Paul writes to the Philippian church. And this is my prayer, he says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless 
until the day of Christ. Paul was praying that they would be able to determine what was best. Always want what is God's best for your life and your marriage. So number one, commitment is critical to the success in marriage. But number two, communication is critical to marriage. In 1 John chapter 1, the Bible teaches us how to communicate with God, how to walk in fellowship with God. And in that passage, verses 1 through 10, he gives us four very important aspects of communication with God and with each other. Number one, we've got to learn to listen. Respect each other's views. Listen to each other. We can't know what God wants us to do unless we listen. Number two, resolve conflict. Don't quit. Communication is all about wanting to resolve misunderstandings and issues, not wanting to quit, not talking about it, not bringing it up, not confronting that. That's just as as good as quitting. Number three, forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sin, that God will forgive us. That's the only way to maintain and restore any relationship. And then finally, number four, prayer. We can't maintain our relationship with God if we don't talk to Him. You need to talk to God together. Prayer will become a vital part of your relationship in marriage. So, what's wrong with them? Well, actually nothing's wrong. You're just going through the major adjustments, the maturity process, and learning the two most important parts of marriage, commitment and communication. You're growing. You're changing. You're learning. This is a normal part of marriage. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. Don't get disheartened. Don't get desperate. And by all means, please don't consider quitting. You can get through these adjustment periods. And next time, we're going to talk about how to fix this mess when your marriage looks like it's turning into a mess. It's really not. It's just normal marriage. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this session of Let's Talk Marriage. For a copy of our study booklet or more information on the entire series, visit our website at www.fycp.org. And may God continue to bless you and your relationship. Have a great week.